Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. And the response to my last show last week on the dying culture of America uh, brought the uh, largest response I've ever had to any show. So I am hoping uh, that people are there to listen live um, and will continue to follow my show because one of my uh, motivations to do a show, like anybody, is to be able to reach people, uh, to feel I'm making a difference with the show, and that people will respond <clears throat> and um, uh, make a difference to me, in me. Um, whenever I write a book or I do a show, whenever I taught, I always discovered if things went well, I learned as much or more than the people, uh, the students I was instructing, I never had a therapy case that uh, didn't enrich my life if, and if it was successful uh, in, in helping change the life of the individual I was working with, it certainly enriched mine and changed my life equally or even more. So I'm hoping to get a response. Um, part of the problem is I keep jumping around in time and place uh, next week I'm going to do, planning to do a, a show, but Monday night is New Year's Eve and Tuesday night is New Year's Day uh, night, so I'll do it on Wednesday again. But I'm hoping to settle in either to a Monday or a Tuesday over the long haul and uh, uh, become more predictable. Certainly the night seems to be better than the day, and I have broken down uh, and become a premium user of uh, Blog Talk Radio. So let me begin uh, by going back to a couple of points uh, that uh, uh, involved in last week's show. Uh, I did last week's show in a kind of a uh, passion. I was very upset. I was excited. I have to admit I had also had a glass of wine a couple of hours earlier that uh, I never really ever tried to do anything uh, intellectual or directed uh, when drinking alcohol, uh, but I had. I mean, the, the situation was such that uh, uh, I had a drink. So uh, part of the show was a kind of a uh, more emotionally heated uh, than I normally do, and I don't feel that being emotionally heated when you're trying to uh, reason and uh, de demonstrate an argument, develop an argument, is a particularly great thing. Although at the moment, I was, what I was feeling last week, I felt that the show was appropriate, and the response, I think, that many people agree with me. Um, the, the, the second issue uh, is that uh, I do believe America is in great trouble. And when I say it's dying, I don't mean it's dead. Uh, I don't know if it'll happen. My basic pessimism and my basic view is that unless we as citizens really start to speak up uh, and, and demonstrate our love of democracy and our love of the country, not in the kind of patriotic uh, uh, nonsense that I think is destroying it, um, and if our leaders don't lead in an appropriate fashion to hold on to and, and, and uh, amplify and sustain 
the aspects of democracy that are still there uh, that I think we're going to um, uh, lose. And the society is going to uh, lose its best and, and die. Now, when I say die, I don't mean go away. Uh, I mean the genuine loss of democracy, the genuine loss of a culture that at once respects individual rights and at the same time requires of them that they take responsibility for the consequences of the freedoms that they have under those rights. Um, I, you know, I think I mentioned that last week that all the gun owners, the people who claim it is their right to carry machine guns with 50 ammo clips, uh, it's a right, seem not to be as concerned with their responsibility or the responsibility of their fellow citizens in exercising those rights, exercising those freedoms. Uh, freedom without responsibility produces anarchy. And anarchy is really uh, lined up butt-to-butt -butt with totalitarianism. Uh, the kind of anarchy involved in the chaos of the breakdown of democracy almost always leads to some form of authoritarian, totalitarian government. And in the course of this hour and in subsequent hours, I want to review those characteristics so that when I talk about America dying, I mean as a genuine democracy. Now, I don't think that we've ever been a pure democracy. I think we've always been hypocritical about our democracy. Remember that the people who established the law of democracy, our so-called founding fathers, um, uh, there were no founding mothers. Uh, that's a piece of hypocrisy. Women were not seen as capable as human beings uh, and were treated as uh, less able and less uh, um, uh, given fewer freedoms. They couldn't vote. They couldn't voice their opinion. And at the same time, we practiced slavery. The debasing, the humiliation of a large class of human beings and, and the compromise was a four-fifths compromise or somebody may call me and tell me it was a three-fifths compromise my memory uh, fails me on that uh, which is that black people were only three-fifths or four-fifths of a human being and therefore it could be kept a slave and could be used as breeding stock in the same way that you'd have horses and cattle uh, used to breed against their will. So when I talk about the death of, of America, I, my fear is the loss of the kind of freedoms we've gained for women, uh, for large numbers of minorities, uh, the perception that we're all human and we all have equal rights under the law, whether they're practiced or not, and I think that very often they're not practiced, I know they're not practiced, but at the same time, there is a belief. When a society goes in the direction of totalitarianism, it's because people fear democracy. They hate it. They want certainty. They want to be able to know that some powerful, all-knowing leader, whether it's God or a human being invested with God-like qualities, is in control. And therefore... Uh, they accept that 
the freedom to act is less preferable than to be obedient to a higher power and not exercise their minds or their choices except to the degree to obey increasingly in slavish ways, slavish ways, those individuals who they believe speak for God or speak for uh, an individual such as in history Hitler, who was the Fuhrer, the ultimate leader, who could do no wrong and who could uh, say uh, nothing that was challengeable. We had other such leaders, Mao Zedong, who nearly destroyed China and the fabric of China uh, in the name of overcoming poverty and increasing human rights. We had, uh, I mean, the, at least 20 million deaths caused by some of the ideological political plans put into effect uh, by Mao and the Communist Chinese Party. Uh, we have Stalin, uh, one of my favorite composers, uh, was a European Estonian by the name of um, Tubin, Edward Tubin, who on the night that his fourth symphony was uh, um, premiered, asked the audience <laughs> and left them gasping when he asked, what's the difference between Stalin and Hitler? And his response was the size of the mustache. Uh, I must have mentioned this before because I tend to mention my favorite stories. And he was uh, stuffed into a mailbag and put into, gotten into Sweden that night where he spent the rest of a long life. Fortunately for me and those who, us who love music, his music, uh, writing more symphonies and concertos and other wonderful pieces of uh, create, creative uh, uh, music, uh, creating, which ultimately, again, in my belief, is, is, brings the greatest happiness for the individual and for those who surround them and those who are uh, privy to their creativity and those who can access their creativity and admire how an individual can be creative and at the same time disciplined in a way that they are responsible for the things that they do create. Now, last week I also used the word monster a lot, um, and I continue to use the word monster, but we are talking about people who are human beings. And like calling somebody mentally ill or schizophrenic or evil, calling someone a monster is a moral term. It's a moral label that explains nothing. So the young man, I think his name was Lanza, uh, who shot down uh, in a rage, because it had to be a rage, he shot uh, little children, some of them eight, nine, ten times. Uh, that's not merely killing and going on. That, that's... Uh, a murderous rage. Uh, the young man who did this is a monster because he couldn't see, he couldn't appreciate. Uh, he, he didn't um, uh, have a break on the, what he was doing because of the effect that he saw happening. Uh, so he's a monster, but at the same time he's a human being, and the word monster, like or schizophrenia or mental illness or evil or any of the other terms we use, in no way explains the motive of this individual. <clears throat> and I think unless we understand the motives of the people who scare us, 
whether this be dictators, whether this be uh, people who steal from us or cheat us, that uh, calling them criminal is a moral term and a legal term, but it certainly in no way provides an explanation for the behavior. Now, when I talk about the the so-called the theory that mental illness is the cause of people shooting off guns and doing what they did, uh, I'm going to hold the larger discussion of that uh, until I can arrange to have a colleague of mine, Dr. Lewis Wynn, a uh, wonderful psychologist that I haven't seen now in six or seven years, uh, who lives in Albuquerque, and with whom... Uh, I uh, created a couple of, of uh, international, uh, helped create a couple of international conferences, and uh, with whom I did a broadcast interviewing uh, what I consider a good and great man, uh, Thomas Zass, in one of my earlier broadcasts. And for anybody who uh, would really like a background to our discussion, uh, go to that one. It was in 2008 or 2007. You can open up the list. And I don't think there's a problem. You'll find it. And then I did a follow-up on Zas. Uh, Zas did die this year. Uh, I think he was 85 or 86. Uh, thus passed a really, I think, a wise man. Uh, I don't like to use the word great. Um, great, great men are, uh, according to Burke, uh, never really good men. Uh, I don't want to live in a great country. I want to live in a good one. And I think part of the problem of America's demise and its decline is that we keep seeking, in an authoritarian way, being great and forget that it is not the same thing necessarily as being good. <clears throat> I think being morally good and psychologically good in a creative sense as, as participating c citizens is much more important than greatness. Um, yes. So... Uh, I want to talk about this young man and, and those who do what what he did, uh, that is, act monstrously uh, with a capital M. And, of course, I want to talk about the fact that those of us who do nothing and don't speak out uh, are monsters in a, with a little m. But monsters, nonetheless, morally, because we are permitting we are not demanding of our uh, politicians. We are, uh, uh, in many cases, sending the same individuals back to do uh, more damage to the government and democracy that we depend upon to foster a democratic society, a creative society. Um, and so we're all responsible. And uh, I believe that in many ways we're all responsible for a man like Lanza, going into that classroom, because we're not speaking up. Um, I watched uh, Wayne LaPierre and his, his uh, rant and rave, and uh, to me, if I wanted to define someone as seriously mentally ill, uh, he's, he's it. There is no logic in his argument. Facts are distorted. Uh, he's authoritarian. He wouldn't let the reporters ask questions. Uh, he walked on, he ranted, he walked off. Uh, and I want to talk about what guns mean in a social, psychological sense in our society and why we've become uh, fanatics about it, guns. And we've become fanatics in so many ways about our religion. And we're fanatics 
which is to hold on to these ideological positions regardless of the damage that they do, regardless of how they turn us <clears throat> into moral monsters, unable to even see what kind of damage we are doing. Last week, I was really very happy with myself to have thought of the idea that since we really can't differentiate between who's mentally ill and who's not mentally ill, uh, many of the people in power, Wayne Lapierre, uh, many politicians, fit the definition of, of uh, mental illness. Uh, who did, I forget who did a wonderful article on the um, narcissistic personality disorder and discovered that uh, if you applied the criteria that, and the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Illness in, in the, uh, the Bible, the Psychiatric Bible, a great number of people we admire tremendously, uh, we shouldn't be admiring because according to that criteria, they're sick people. And of course, again, the word sick here obscures the fact of why they behave as they behave. What are their motives? What are their fantasies? What was Lanza's fantasies before and during in the run-up and the, and the carrying out of the slaughter that we're all so upset and horrified by? Well, maybe not all of us. Um, so, uh, we, we, we have to understand, uh, and certainly uh, when I talk about this with uh, my friend, uh, Lewin, uh, he believes, and I believe, that family has much to do with the shaping of the individual. Uh, but I believe that family is embedded and reflects the society that we're all living in. And so when we begin to look at, the, at some of the uh, root reasons why this may be happening, and let me stop and say this, there really has been no research on any of this. I don't think there's any research, really. Uh, if there is, uh, I'm sure somebody might point this out to me, and I would love to read the papers on this. So what I'm going to talk about today is really conjecture. Uh, it's an extension of what I know that comes out of therapy, that comes out of my own reading, my life experience, but it's conjecture. And it's a conjecture based upon my understanding of human beings as social creatures, as embedded in the kind of society at the familial level, at the level of the school, the level of church, uh, and the larger level of how citizenry is organized and carries out uh, uh, the, the workings of a society that um, uh, that provides some kind of explanations, and I'm going to just go as far as um, uh, oh, I got somebody on on the on the air. Um, let me see who that is. Hello, hello. Hi. Good evening. Yes. Who am I talking to? Uh, my name is Hugh. I'm calling from Virginia. Oh, how are you? Very good. Uh, happy holidays. I just came across your show. I didn't know what you were talking about tonight. I may not know what I'm talking about either, but okay, let's go. Well, that goes on a lot in the world today, doesn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <But laughs> maybe through the holidays, people can, with the new year coming, renew themselves and realize some basic, simple facts, and that is that we're all spiritual beings. We came from spirit we're eventually going to go back into spirit you can't take the toys with you and obviously we are here for a purpose and a reason you may not know it or ever know it but 
if you get out of your head and start aligning your heart with God, the Creator, whoever you feel that may be, asking for divine guidance on a daily basis, and the other big keys are to always be in gratitude no matter what your circumstances. They may be horrible at times, but you may have to learn some lessons and then to take positive steps, take action. Okay. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you a little short because I have a harder task. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe in spirits. I don't right. believe in God. Um, I, I respect and hope that those I respect who do will respect right. me back for my faith because none of us can prove or disprove. It's, it's what we hold on, on faith. Uh, but certainly I have a harder task because I don't believe I go back to spirit. I have a life, and when the life ends, it ends. And I right. think the task is to live with love and live with respect for people uh, and to create, uh, not in any biblical sense, but to create life and to create things that produce joy in people's life. And in the face of all the horror, uh, recognize that we really, are, to me, we're on our own. And unless we carry out our responsibilities for what we are as human beings, uh, there will be nothing. There will be nothing. So um, I respect your point of view, and I hope you respect mine, but I hold on to the idea that we're here, that there is nothing in the universe that knows us or cares about us or that we can dicker with or pray to or be good for. We're on our own. There is no exit for us, and so I'm glad you called, and I'm going to put you back on hold, and... um, um, uh, and again, I'm not going to get into a dialogue about this because this is a dialogue about faith. Someone once asked somebody, I, I respect, um, who is the writer, uh, would you debate the existence of God? And his response was, I would not debate the existence of God any more than I would debate somebody that the earth is flat. If you believe in God, you believe by faith. And I don't have a problem with what anybody believes. What I do have is a big problem when God is used as some kind of ultimate authority that somehow likes us and that God has allowed individuals to have wisdom of God in order to set up a hierarchy in which those who don't believe in God or those who are different um, can be punished, can be controlled, can be contained. Um, Slavery was in the name of God. Uh, I've just read a wonderful article this weekend, uh, uh, a a Christmas story uh, by a writer, I'll give you his name, it was in the New York Times, um, Simon Critchley, who has a philosophy professor. Philosophy, by the way, going out of style in American democracy. Uh, you, you just want to have enough education to earn a living. And while I would never, ever criticize an education to earn a living, um, an education without novels, an education without literature, music, philosophy, and art ain't an education. It's part of, it's a piece of education. And so uh, he writes about um, Christ's temptation by Satan and then brings it into uh, Dostoevsky's great novel, The Brothers Karamazov, which really 
deals with the, with the existence of God and what our responsibility is as human beings in a religious sense. Uh, and that I wonder uh, if Jesus uh, is really in heaven and watching what he thinks of what's being done in his name uh, all over the world, and especially by growing vocal groups in the United States who feel they can condemn their fellow human beings by all manner of criteria uh, as being ungodly, unlovable, uh, who shouldn't have freedom, who shouldn't have rights. Um, and I'm going to jump ahead to something I want to talk about. Uh, when Obama was reelected, some of the godly, uh, who are big mouths on the radio, uh, who think they speak uh, for uh, uh, deity, uh, said they lost their country. How could they have lost their country? What they mean is the white supremacy of the country had been lost. And this they can't get over. And with his election, the second election, the country is lost, and now there is a sale of machine guns, uh, lines at gun shows and gun shops, going out on the street and down the block while fellow citizens arm themselves uh, with heavy, heavy military-style weapons. Uh, the danger we have here uh, to our democracy and to our lives and to the number of people who are going to be slaughtered in the way Lanza did so is going to be horrendous. It will be horrendous. Um, so I, I take a stand... Uh, that uh, we are alone and we are responsible for our lives. And like the uh, Grand Inquisitor, which is the story within the story of the brothers Karamazov that I will talk about specifically in a subsequent show, um, uh, when Jesus returns to earth and the Grand Inquisitor immediately orders him arrested and, and uh, put on trial to be burned as a heretic, uh, and says to Jesus, uh, you bring love and you bring freedom and responsibility, and people are terrified by it. You are, we are terrified by it, and therefore we want a master, and we want some notion of perfection, and we want certainty, and we want to be able to load up on those items and things, earthly things usually, that will allow us somehow to rise above the human predicament, which is we are all going to die. And the only way we'll be known is by our reputation and by the efforts uh, we have done uh, in the world to create something good. Uh, often it is our children. Um, I was aware every time I write a word and I do a show like this, uh, that this is part of a legacy I wish to leave, hopefully one that's beneficial, uh, certainly beneficial to me, uh, because I, I can't tell you how good I feel when I do these shows, and I don't do them enough. But anyway, uh, so we're alone that way, and we're responsible. And I think one of the reasons I fear is that the racism in this country still goes very, very deep, not for all. We've made strides, I think. 
Uh, I was watching on television before uh, Barney Frank, who came out as a congressman, that he was gay, uh, and done much good, not just for gays, but for all of us, uh, in creating a more tolerant position from which to view individuals whose sexual choices may not be the same as those who are heterosexual. Eh? So when I hear the voices in the name of God or saying that this is the wrong way, and that's the loss of America, that a black man can't be the president, that he shouldn't be a president, he's not a citizen, he wasn't born here, he's the other, and then try to... Uh, uh, in Congress, as we may have now, going over this fiscal cliff, and then try to block the raising of the debt ceiling. This will be an economic, political catastrophe if they're allowed to get away with this. Because these are individuals who are ideologues and authoritarian to the max. They don't know how to govern. They don't know how to compromise. Because those who believe they speak on high who have a higher moral authority and don't have to reason and don't have to dialogue and don't have to compromise, who don't have doubt about their rightness, their righteousness, could take this country right over a very serious cliff. And they are terrifying because of the authoritarian nature and so I personally would like to see a day when we human beings wake up one morning and treat the idea of God the way we now treat the idea of Zeus. A good story with wonderful meaning, but not to be taken literally. That it is a figurative story and that it is for our guidance, but that we are responsible for our actions and our guidance must come from the wisdom that we're able to produce. That there is no higher wisdom in the universe. There are physical laws, biological laws, and I believe myself to be a spiritual person in the sense of believing in creativity and believing that we have a spirit that is metaphorical, not literal. So, that's where I stand on that, and so... Uh, my, my caller, you're still online. Uh, that's where I stand and where I feel I have to stand when I make these broadcasts. So I will not argue about this because it doesn't lead to anywhere. You go around in circles. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you to have your faith and hope that it, your faith is tempered by the fact that uh, there is much wisdom in the world that... It comes from individuals uh, who do not necessarily believe that the Bible, with all of its wisdom, came from a higher power or that should be taken literally. So, uh, I'm glad you called. So, let me talk a little bit about, uh, since we're talking about the fanaticism, uh, what is it that drives fanaticism and what are the hallmarks, the intellectual hallmarks? And again, I've done numbers of shows on this, on, on what kind of psychology exists within an authoritarian system uh, in the hierarchy where those above feel they can step control those below. 
and those below control those below them, but have to be obedient to the word of those who are above them. What drives it, I think, in many ways, is fear. When we're afraid, we become angry. When we're in terror, we go into rage. When we form these hierarchies, what we end up doing is dehumanizing ourselves as monsters by dehumanizing those below us by claiming they have no right to speak, to be equal to us, to participate. When men say women shouldn't vote, they shouldn't have a voice, they are dehumanizing them. And when women accept this, they're being dehumanized. Well, most of the women I know won't take that anymore. And one of the reasons I think we still have hope for a vibrant democracy are the large number of women who repudiated those politicians who probably would have won when they talked about rape. Uh, who are the two? I even forget their names at this point. Um, one who said that the woman's body shuts down so she doesn't even become pregnant. And the other one said, well, this is God's will. That baby is God's gift regardless of whether or not the woman wanted to be impregnated by her rapist, and therefore she should be forced to carry that baby to term. Rapist wins, woman loses. Um, we must have an egalitarian equality, and in these hierarchies, the fear of change and the fear of sharing responsibility and giving up ultimate knowledge and ultimate control is terrifying because it derives from terror. It derives from the fear that we're going to die and that we are frail, that none of us have any large numbers of answers to the problems that, that perplex us, uh, that the best doctors in the world still can't cure cancer, and the best doctors, therefore, don't do things to people that hurt them worse than the illness. The bad doctors, out of desperation, do that. The good politician says, I don't have the answers. I need advisors. I need to go to the people and ask them what they think, how they live their lives. Their stories have to intermingle with mine. The bad politician says, I know what's better, and if you listen, to, don't listen to me, I will kill you. You want to see a society that's dying, literally dying, go look at Syria fractionalized by religions, all of whom believe that God or Allah has given them the sacred word to rule. And by the way, we're not Syria yet, but the danger is always there. Germany, which produced so much great science, so much great art over the centuries, which experimented with democracy when people became frightened enough they turned to a crazy paper hanger who told them he has the answers. Submerge your identity with me. Become my ultimate, complete follower. And we will last together for a thousand years because individually you are nothing. In the mob, in the collective, you are everything. Communists pro projected the same thing. Syria projects this through its religion and now Assad a monster if there ever was one slaughters his own people until now they rise up 
And when they take power, because they will, unless the, 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 there is some kind of movement towards democracy and humanism, and I'll talk about humanism as a specific philosophy, um, unless there is this, there will be a counter slaughter. There will be nothing left in that society as one group turns on another for supremacy and ultimate control of how the society should live. We're watching in Egypt a trial of democracy. Will there be democracy? Will there be respect for Coptic Christians and for other minorities? We don't know yet. Will the Muslim Brotherhood actually create and hold on to a democratic idea that human beings have the right to believe in religion what they want, to practice as they want, to be educated as they want? Will they allow women full and equal rights, unlike Saudi Arabia, where a woman can't drive a car and can't show her face? Remember the story of the young girls who were caught in a school that was on fire, and because they weren't wearing the burqa, the, the, the religious police would not let them out, and they were burnt to death. Rather than shame the men, they, they had, in the name of God, they had to burn to death because they wouldn't be released uh, uh, with their faces or their bodies showing while this raging fire was consuming them. It's the same wherever it is, and the danger is always there. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live forever. And I'm going to live forever by defeating the evil ones, or as George W. Bush, who plunged us into a war uh, uh, that was without merit, based on lies, uh, for eight years. Um, what he said was, we're going to fight the evildoers, okay, without recognizing that perhaps uh, what America was doing in that part of the world was as evil as anything else uh, that was going on. And that he was as big an evildoer in starting an illegitimate war that he knew he was lying about. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It has to be protested. We have to take our stand. We have to be able to say we're not going to accept any religion or political philosophy based on an ideology of hierarchy in which those above are innately superior in knowledge and will to those who sit below. It can't be. It can't be. And I have great fear that it is happening in the United States and no great faith that those of us who believe in a democratic society will stand up and speak out and be strong enough to make sure that uh, this doesn't happen here. So... You know what? I don't think I have to go on further. I wanted to talk about some of the myths taken literally that are destroying us. For example, uh, that the, the myth of white supremacy, our, our country is gone in the name of uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter and, and uh, O'Reilly. Uh, they went to sleep and woke up and discovered their country was gone. Or that God uh, is real. Uh, and loves some groups and some individuals more than others. Uh, uh, 
when we t- I want to talk about media, and I really don't have to do it tonight, but the media is filled with the notion uh, we were all raised, I was raised on cowboy movies. And the cowboys all carried guns. And the rule of law didn't exist uh, in the name of Le Pierre. The good guy with a gun was the one who killed the bad guy with a gun. And unfortunately, everybody thought they were the good guy. See? Uh, it was only that Hollywood would set up the good guy uh, to be the white hat who didn't have the mustache. And when I was a kid, I was growing a mustache very young. I was 11 or 12, and I was already developing a mustache. And I didn't know you could shave it off because my father had had a mustache. And I believed, my God, I want to be a good guy. I don't want to have a mustache because good guys wore white hats, white, white. And the bad guys wore black hats, black, black was their meaning there and carried their guns and did atrocious, monstrous things to good people until they were shot dead. And all agreed that the Indian was a savage and had no right to live or to be where they were. Uh, And a genocide was carried out. And at that time, we didn't know. We all believed there was a group of savages who roamed the plains uh, and who didn't deserve uh, to, to live as they lived And we had a right in the name of God to take what they had and, if necessary, and we did, destroy their culture and their lives. It doesn't change. The time changes. The place changes. But the theme is always the same. We are better than you because we're higher than you. We are to be called our lordship and our lady. And you are to be called dirt. So, uh, the heroes and villains that people are television now are unbelievable. Uh, I watched the Steven Seagal movie, and I can't deny I enjoyed it. The evil ones wanted to destroy Washington, kill millions. They wanted to slaughter. They show no mercy. And Steven Seagal kills them, breaks their necks, tears off their arms. It's slaughter time, the good slaughter. There's no negotiation. There's no mercy, because in these hierarchical situations, mercy is seen as weakness. Um, A friend of mine uh, said to me once, uh, uh, he's a Christian, he said to me, uh, the Jews brought the law and Christ brought mercy and forgiveness. Uh, Bertrand Russell wrote a wonderful book, Why I Am Not a Christian, in which he said Christianity, and he could be talking about any religion, is a wonderful religion. Too bad nobody's really tried it. Individuals do try it. And there are individuals who are so good that they make me feel uh, that I have to try harder because their faith engenders that goodness. But at the same time, those who seek power and seek power over others in the name of a, a, of a religious hierarchy, uh, they are a danger and they must be resisted uh, so that we're awash now in violent fantasies. What are the people who are buying the guns afraid of? Other people with guns. They're afraid of themselves. They're afraid, but they don't want to face that. Uh, I had done a show earlier, I don't remember when, on Karen Hornoy, who said when we don't face our fears and we go to the other extreme, we become and bring about the very fear we're trying to deal with. 
when we're all armed with machine guns. And I have now heard people, not only Wayne LaPierre, who says arm the, you know, arm the, the, the uh, cops in the school. Let's have lots of guns in the school. Somebody who's suggesting arm the teachers. Hey, I actually had a young man, uh, while well, we watched the news that terrible day about uh, uh, Connecticut, <clears throat> uh, say to me, the kids need to be armed. Let's have kindergartners running around with guns and shooting at the bad guys. He was dead serious because he was frightened. Uh, when I see him again at work, I'm going to ask him if he still really believes that. Uh, I don't think so. I think he was at that moment uh, in the same passion and the same fear and disgust uh, that was motivating all of us. So my caller is still there. Hello, are you still there? Hello. I'm enjoying your show very much. I well, believe you. you. And I really. Believe, I, uh, but I am uh, puzzled why you would even assume to have any sense of responsibility if you don't believe in anything. Uh, after no, no. This. You see, that, that's 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 a that's a red herring. I believe as a human being who has been loved and knows love that I'm responsible. I'm aware of myself as a human being who acts, makes choices, and therefore affects the things around me, and therefore I have to be responsible. In fact, I did a couple of good shows, and I'll repeat maybe on, on this series of shows, that when Piaget, the great developmental psychologist, looked at morality, he said there were really two kinds of morality that you could see. One was the morality based upon that we have to be held responsible by a higher power, such as parents who are, have to be responsible for their children. And the other is a responsibility based upon adult principles of responsibility. And yes, it's flawed. It's flawed. But the other way leaves us like children. So I'm morally responsible. I'm a moral human being, I think. I well, we're in full agreement on almost everything you say, except I have faith in a God, and that, that maybe helps me with my responsibility. Yes, so, but yes. Everything I believe, by the way, saying, I, I, I work in, in a, agreement uh, with otherwise. I work now in nursing homes, mm -hmm. and I deal with a lot of people who are dying. Right. And I, most of them uh, don't believe. They believe when they're gone, they're gone. Mm -hmm. And they're frightened. And then there are some who really have a wonderful faith. So a man that I'm working with now, uh, who is in hospice, he's going, um, said, I have a good life. I had a wonderful wife, married for 50 years, and I have no doubt that when I go, I will be rejoined with her. And I said to him, I'm envious. I wish I could believe what you believe. Right. And that's well, the end of it. But the fact of the matter is, ever since I was a child, I could not make myself believe. I just, it didn't happen. Well, again, that's your belief. And, I, and by the way, may never I'm happy about and then that. Again, it may. You're still a young man. I'm 68 myself right now. I grew up with the Cowboys, too. But uh, By the way, I'm 72. Okay, God bless you. <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm a lot older. You're still a kid to me. <laughs> because when I was 68, well, I was in much better shape than I am yeah, right now. I've had different experiences than you, too. We all have. That's why we all have different fingerprints. But your forum to have such a show as this is where we truly learn from. So I congratulate you for bringing me back on. Because and I that's... thank you very much for being here. Um, and I hope you come back. And I hope you follow my shows. 
And I hope you'll do one of your own. Well, I've been asked to do that. I prefer to be behind the scenes. I'm looking to empower women globally. You touched on that. They've been suppressed for far too long, and I think they're going to take a far more important role in making a better future for mankind. I said, for, by the way, for people kind, for humankind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have a business partner who's a psychologist for over 40 years and has a doctorate in religion, a doctorate in theology, and uh-huh. written a law of attraction, too. And uh, so I, I listen to what he says and what you say, and we're all in definite agreement on the majority of everything, except that, again, uh, okay. I don't agree with religions. I think that they're control mechanisms, and the wrappings will surely be coming off them very quickly, as well as uh, behind the scenes, um, my big mission and vision is bringing spirituality into global economics and combining it with unconditional love, making everything transparent. Ethical. Oh, you're going to get in trouble. They're going to call you a socialist. Well, you know, I have gotten in trouble. I caused indirectly uh, the Speaker of the House to resign in shame uh, years ago, Jim Wright. Uh, ah. from- from exposing a former federal government bureaucrat via front-page Wall Street Journal article. And there is information online where I have a letter from President Obama to me related to the economy. And I try interacting with politicians, but they tend to run from me after that experience that uh, Jim Wright, uh, having resigned uh, from being exposed to Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's a, a dilemma, but uh, I also stand in my truth uh, as someone who uh, wants all my experiences fully documented to show people, as you're alluding to, that we all do have responsibility. And I say forgiveness, love, and prayer are what life's values truly are all about. And as far as leaving a legacy, that's what we should be working on right a positive now. positive legacy, right? You agree with me? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I think you and I are really on the same page politically oh, and socially in a variety of other uh, ways. And it so. could be because of the upbringings we had. I had it drummed into me. I was raised a Catholic. I'm a lapsed Catholic. But I also have had some very bizarre experiences, which include UFO, paranormal, and near-death. So uh-huh. uh, that is, is a little bit different than probably some of the things that you've experienced. Uh, but again, 72 is still young. <laughs> right. Anyway, thank you again. I hope you come back again on the show. I, well, I appreciate that. the time and the happy holidays. And yes, very happy much. New Year and a healthy. Yes, exactly. Because you and I both know that that's the operative word for the next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> healthy. Okay, I'm yes. going to say good night to everybody. And uh, take care. And I wish everybody out there in, in uh, uh, what is it called, the uh, uh, Virtual land, virtual space, cyberspace, a happy and a healthy New Year. And I will be back on next Wednesday. Um, And uh, take care. Goodbye.